Brady Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Rounds from Sportsnet, about to be joined from Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post round one of the NHL draft show. Kenny's going to join us right away. We're going to have Jason Buchel on to break everything down here. Of course, we're going to dive into the Jets pick Colby Barlow, uh, someone that the Jets are absolutely elated to have drafted. Uh, sitting here in the media workroom amongst, I mean, the creme de la creme. If you take a look over here, we've got the WST boys. Look at them rocking it, rocking it all day, all night. They got big, big J style. I got to tell you this. These guys, if you want to go watch the reaction that Kevin Sheveldayoff has to the first round of the draft, there's only one place you can get it. It's an exclusive, and that's on YouTube at the WST site because they were the only ones there. They figured it out, so good for them. Uh, excellent job by WST. Love working with these guys down here. We're going to get into it all here. Um, I got to say, I'm a little bit grumpy. My mouth hurts. Too many people didn't hear the story about me missing the tooth, and too many people think the cut on the lip is like herpes simplex one or something like that. So a little bit grumpy, but I can get through it. I probably shouldn't have had that handful of salty popcorn because now I'm feeling a little bit salty right now. I'm going to get over it. We got to move on from that. Best way to do that is to bring in our guests. But before we get to Jay Bukla, who we're just so excited to have on, we're going to get Ken in on the show here. Uh, you know the man. You know he's got the best music in the business. Why not play that music and bring it in? Here comes my main man, Ken Weeb. Kenny, my main man, always out there doing great work. You got some stuff posted up on Sportsnet, uh, ready to go for people soon. who want to go out. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, it's not Ken's It'll be up there right away. Uh, he's going to get a real good dive into this. A little bit of a sneak peeky when he talked to Colby Barlow's general manager at the OHL level to get some great insight. Uh, I was down here talking to him afterwards, um, so we'll get a little bit of insight there. And we're going to get the guy who actually knows what he's talking about in Jay Bukla, who's going to come on and give us a look at this. Ken, just quickly before we bring in Jay, I just want you to give me your thoughts on on the Jets pick before we expand because there were some other you know, decent players taken in this draft <laughs> that two, we may yeah. have to say something about here. But just give me a quick one for the Jets fans on Colby Barlow. Uh, I know that when the pick was coming up, you thought that they'd go with a skilled forward. That's exactly what they did. What was your take? Yeah, no doubt. I thought they'd be going for a skilled centerman in specific, but uh, the fact that Colby Barlow was there unexpectedly at 18, I think that changed their, uh, you know, positioning essentially. They would be Mark Hillier told reporters yesterday, Sean, that they were hoping to get someone that was maybe ninth or tenth or on eleventh on their list. And I can't imagine they had Barlow much lower than that. And I'm guessing that Kevin Cheveldayoff basically would have run ran to the podium when he was available. There was some intrigue whether the Swedish defenseman was going to be picked by Detroit or not. But once they did select him, uh, Pekka, they had basically had another guy land in their lap, much like Cole Perfetti and Chaz Lucius before him. But the biggest difference there is there's no injury concerns at all with Barlow. This is a guy that oozes character. He had 46 snipes last year as a 17-year-old captain, youngest captain in Owen Sound Attack franchise history. Yeah. Uh, and this is a guy that's not just a one-trick pony, as as Jason is going to tell us shortly. Uh, I'll save Del DeGray's comments uh, for after we have Jay on. But uh, this is just an absolute slam dunk. I know people say this all the time. They get somebody who's way higher on their list. This is absolutely someone the Jets did not expect to be laying there available to them at 18. And this is a guy, Sean, very similar, uh, you know, in terms of body type, you know, 6'1", 194, similar to Rutger McGordy, goes to the hard areas, 
plays a 200 foot game and is you know a little bit different uh, you know a lot of us maybe thought Oliver Moore would be the pick uh, given the Jets propensity to go into the U.S. National Development Team program and instead they go to the Ontario Hockey League and they found themselves uh, Jason Buchla said it himself and he'll say it again shortly this is a guy who has the potential to be a future Winnipeg Jets captain uh, to go along with a potential foundational piece. Uh, I think this is an absolutely brilliant piece of business for the Winnipeg Jets and getting Colby Barlow uh, at 18th overall. Well, I'll tell you this. It's our job to provide insight. And how is this for insight? If, hey, Colby Barlow can play as mean as that beard that he's able to grow <laughs> at 17 years old, the Jets yeah. got themselves a gem. Uh, you keep saying what Jason Bukla is going to say. I want to hear it from the horses. You should. Bring him into the show. Jay Bukla, thank you so much for joining us at this time. Uh, hey, how are things going with you? You're in a great city, having a great time. Uh, what was What's the draft been like for you so far? Well, it was a fascinating day, fellas. I mean, uh, for as long as I've been in the game, I haven't gone through a first round without a trade happening, trade up, trade back. And I think it speaks to the value that teams put on their list building this year. The depth of this crop uh, has to be factored in in that equation. And, you know, uh, I've been in those positions where we've done those types of things on the floor, whether it be in the first round or later. And, you know, the reality is you either have three or four or five guys uh, after your pick that you're falling in love with and you feel like somebody else wants that guy, whoever that might be at your slot. I think this was a draft that was kind of all over the place with different values of different lists. But the one thing that uh, is universally valued here, all these teams loved this draft class. And uh, I was uh, texting with my good friend Mark Hillier and um, – I mean, he, there's not a chance. I mean, Hilly's going to, I've known Hilly for as well too long, like long, long time. There's not <laughs> a chance he's going to be able to look me in the eyes and tell me that, oh yeah, we knew he was going to be there at that pick. Not a chance. You guys have, I'm telling you this, I'm so excited for Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Jet fans. This is the kind of guy, especially with some of the noise I've heard coming out of Winnipeg in recent weeks and, you know, maybe transitioning out from uh, a certain core group, if you will, potentially. Um, What a coup this is. I'm I'm telling you, he's going to be the captain of the Winnipeg Jets someday. Your community is going to love him. Um, Young people are going to love him. He's going to score goals. He's going to go through the wall for everybody in that community. Um, I personally love Winnipeg. I know what they stand for in in the province. And uh, what a great day. Wow. Ken? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I spoke with Dale DeGray, but what stands out to you about his overall package, uh, Jay? So it starts with character and it trickles down from there. Um, So uh, let's start off the ice. Uh, Scholastic player of the year. So he manages his time very well. Okay, He trains, he keeps himself in shape, he's a solid citizen of the community, and he's an A student. That tells you right there he's an organized individual at a young age. He knows how to be prepared, right? Take it to the rink. Now you're the captain, a young captain at the OHL level in the room. Similar to Nate Danielson, you know, these are young captains. You got 20-year-olds in there. You got some 21-year-olds who are overagers. That's a big job. Small communities like Owen Sound, even bigger job because you can't go anywhere in those towns. Places like Moose Jaw, uh, Swift, um, you know, Sault Ste. Marie, Owen Sound, you can't go anywhere in those communities without people knowing who you are, right, with your hockey team. And then let's just get right to the brass tacks. Heavy player, elite release makes plays in traffic, comes off the half wall on both sides, off the puck when he moves it, he's going to go to the cage looking for garbage or a tip. Um, I, I don't know, guys. He played through a hip flexor at the at the Worlds. I was concerned because um, I noticed it. I came back and I said to Sammy, um, I'm worried about his skating. Like He looked like he fatigued. And what I meant by that was that he started to stand up more upright in his stride which loses your length of your stride. You know what I mean? Because you're standing straight, you have no knee bend, so your stride gets shorter. Um, I noticed that. But, hey, he had a hip flexor. Like, if I have a hip flexor at my age, I can't get out of bed in the morning. Never mind, go play at the U18. (laughs) So um, that impeded him a little bit, but I don't know. Like, if I was running the Florida Panthers staff right now and that that kid fell on my lap at 18, I'd be – well, you can tell I'm excited. I'm genuinely excited about that pick. Um, I want you to get you touched on it a little bit here and youngest captain in, in Owen Sound history. But give me an idea of what a young man has to be to wear a C as a 17 year old on a team full of guys who, you know, m- many of them are three years older than that player. What kind of 
guy do you have to be? How put together do you have to be at that age to be able to pull that off? You're a conduit to everybody. So it could be to the trainer. could be to the general manager, Dale DeGray. I've known Digger for, for a long, long time, too. Let me tell you, what a quality organization they run there, too. I, I, I think, Kenny, you said you talked to Digger, and you, you're going to bring him on here in a little bit. You know. Um, but he's, a, he's the ultimate conduit between all these things. And when you're that, that age, now let's be honest, Barlow's you know, 17 through 18, and, and he looks like he's 25 with that, that beard and whatever else. But that's a challenge. But listen, I think it's a special, in today's day and age with technology, cell phones, computers, all the social media, all these pressures outside of just playing a sport, when you can hold your teammates accountable, be a conduit to your upper management, be comfortable enough in your own skin to go to the coach to say, hey, listen, this is what's going on in the room or your trainer. Hey, whenever you need real good, firm information on a player, always go to the trainer. So he's going to the trainer to support the guys in the room. Don't discount it. Like this is um, – I'm not hyperboling this. Like this is – it's a big deal. Jay, uh, Dale DeGray said to me earlier, he said the story about him as a 16-year-old is that he was chasing 30 goals and he, everyone was trying to pass it to him, even yeah. though he, like, it was one of these situations where they were going out of their way to try to pass it rather than finish the game. He said he literally got up in the middle of the bench and he started telling his teammates, stop passing it to me. The 30 goals will come. We need to win the game. And he was just blown away by it. And he said he was joking, like, said scouts are trying to call to get the dirt on him. And he said, well, good luck with that. And if you do get some, let me know. I mean, as a scout and as a guy in an organization, when, when you hear these types of stories when doing your background checks, uh, what does that do uh, in terms of, of where, how it can maybe help a guy who already was high on a board, what, what those intangibles can mean uh, in your pursuit of putting together these lists? Speaks to his character. It doesn't surprise me in the least. So in that game that you're talking about, Kenny, 15 shots on goal that night. He had 15 shots on goal. They wanted in overtime off his stick. So Naturally. if you believe in what goes around, comes around, and a little bit of karma, then, you know, even, go, even when he goes to the bench and says, quit feeding me every time you get it, you know, he, he ends the game in overtime. So I don't know. I believe good things come to good people. I believe that good things come to young people who work really hard for to attain their, their, their goals. Um, this guy, well, when he gets there, it's just going to be – he'll immediately take charge with your younger group of players. He's going to be really good for Lambert. He's going to be – when McGordy gets there, him and McGordy, wow. there's going to be some synergy there with those two personalities. Um, and I don't know. Like, I, I know what it's like coming from a smaller market in the league, okay? I know how important it is to have a really solid dressing room. I know how important it is to, to build character within your group and pull the rope in the same direction. Um, these guys that they got coming through right now, good times. So I can tell you're surprised that he dropped, but t- try try and figure out, try and explain to us, give us your best theory on why he dropped. Uh, definitely had nothing to do with him. Again, it was just the value that different teams put on different players in the process. And, you know, every list, uh, I, I can say with uh, – with 100% assurance, actually, that I think everybody built their list according to what they thought was the best player available, and that's just how it rolled out. Okay, so, But if you were to go ask half the league right now if they thought Colby Barlow was going to get to the Winnipeg Jets, I guarantee half the league would say not a chance. Like they thought for sure he would have been gone. Okay, So um, nothing, to, nothing against the player at all. There's a couple of things or a couple of things that happen. Reinbacher going early. That that creates a stir. Then mm-hmm. like Arizona with Simashev and Boot, like that was way off the board for me, fellas. Way off yeah. the board. So uh, and I think I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not trying to stir the pot, but I think universally we would all agree with that, right? That those two picks were way off the board. So what happens? Trickle down effect, Colby Barlow becomes a Winnipeg Jet. Yeah, super interesting. Uh, in talking with Dale, he said, you know, obviously like any other 17-year-old turning 18, he could get quicker, but he thought he got around the ice pretty well. Uh, obviously, you don't see skating as a concern with him either, Jay. I have no problems with his mechanics. Um, he does get, like, he when he does get tired, because heavier core guys, when they get tired, it's just their instinct to start to stand tall. Like, they're burning up a little bit differently. Your guys are going to get around that. You know, he's going to get with your uh, development team there. And they're going to work through that. His small area space, guys, so he's a load. And when he comes off the wall and steps to the middle of the ice, his first three steps, he creates enough space right away. And then he's got body position, which is weight and strength. So 
I don't need him to necessarily transport it between the blue lines all the time. He's going to be capable of it, but that hard area, you know, game that you you need to have come well the back half of the season when playoffs are on the horizon. Uh, quickness to small areas, he'll he'll be a load to defend early in his career. So where does he need to improve, Jay? I think that he that again I keep coming back to it and I don't want to bore your your listeners but um, no you know, they they love this stuff we love this needs, is why you're here okay so he needs to get more so on average an NHL shift is going to be between 38 and 42 seconds when the became when the game um, uh, becomes a track meet okay so what I need is for him not to break down at 31 32 seconds that doesn't sound like much but that five or six seconds between let's let's say he's pressuring back. OK, he's it's a zone exit offensively. He's pressuring back. He's starting to break down at, at 31 seconds. Now that five second gap there, we need to get more out of him for that five seconds to take that check all the way back to your net. If that's required going on offense, it's different because, of course, you just can chip it and, and make a change or, you know, you just you just can move off of that. So I don't know. It's uh, it's it, it, that's the only area I really believe. Uh, I was talking with Dale too about, you know, he goes to team, you know, played for Canada. He gets put into a defensive role, kills penalties. He's talking about blocking shots. I mean, would this be a guy who would, would be in the mix for Canada at the world junior coming up, Jay, do you think too oh, yeah, in, in sure. the fall? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and to his credit, he doesn't have to necessarily like this. It should be an elite group, right? He doesn't have to score at the world junior camp or at the world juniors. He's got to provide all the other detail. And I think that, uh, uh, come, come Gothenburg and Sweden on the bigger ice, which is, well, let me, let me preface that. A lot of the Swedish rinks have gone to the hybrid. You guys have seen that. It's like, it's not really, it's not Olympic. It's like a hybrid. Um, he'll be fine. Touch so on two, sometimes, let's, go on, Ken. So just, I mean, we mentioned Rutger, Rutger McGordy a few times now, Jay, you've had the benefit of watching him a few times and we've talked about what you've seen, but curious if you'd be willing to share with your listeners what you've thought of his development over the course of the year and where he's at a year after getting picked in the first round by the Winnipeg Jets. And then we'll go to Brad Lambert after that. Okay. So coming out of the summer season, um, I still had concerns. I think Kenny, you and I went back and forth a little bit around Thanksgiving about this. So early in his college season, I had some, uh, some concerns, still some step concerns, but um, the college season did him well. So his pace, um, especially on straight lines, has improved dramatically. I would, if I had to put a percentage on it, I, I might go as high as 20%. Okay. So he's planed out. He's, he's better prepared that way. They were a wagon at Michigan, like an offensive wagon. And he was uh, a catalyst in that. Um, more off the puck, which is really valuable than on the puck. When that guy, he, what he did really well, played to his identity down the stretch. When he finds a puck between the hash marks, middle of the ice, I mean, he's a loaded defend. He's getting it on goal. He's producing offense. Go to Lambert uh, as well, Ken. Is that what you wanted? Yeah. yeah so, so Lambert, um, I wasn't sure how that was going to work out. I don't know how you guys mm. felt like uh, with the whole thing going to Seattle, which I thought would be good for him, first of all. But I was concerned uh, between the ears where he was going to be at with this process. You know, like he comes over. There's a lot of hype around this player early. Um, like way early, double double underage at the Holinka a couple of years ago. Um, you know, falls a little bit in the draft. You know, uh, kind of a pedestrian start to his pro career. Uh, to his credit, he played to his identity right to the end of the uh, the marathon in Seattle. You know, played fast, uh, uh, scored, played to his offensive identity again. Got more confident with the puck. Um, there's some holes there. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let him off the ledge quite yet. Okay. So there's some detail holes there. There's times he's got to move it and then go to space and get it back, uh, not just carry it in himself all the time. Um, but today, compared to call it uh, Christmas time, I'm much more confident in Lambert's trajectory than I was at that time. I've got thoughts on this, but I want to hear yours. Uh, they're far more informed. Um, <laughs> do you do you think that the uh, the Rutger McGrory, the Colby Barlow, what we're seeing from the Jets here compared to what we've seen from them in the past, kind of shows maybe a bit of a shift in philosophy of how Mark Hillier and the Jets are drafting? It's interesting. Um, I don't know that it's um, necessarily something that they're consciously aware of. I just believe that in the cycle that these are the best players available to them at that time. 
So, you know, it's easy to pigeonhole certain teams. Like when, when Kyle Dubas was in Toronto, you could pretty much say he's going to draft this kind of player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With Hilly and his staff, I just think they're looking for the best player. I don't – he's never going to say this, and neither Chevy, but I've been there and I know. We want to also try and get people that are going to love our community and be part of where we want to go as an organization. Certain franchise in the league, economically, they need those types of players, guys. So if you're splitting hairs on player A, B, and C, and two of them don't give you the uh, the warm and fuzzies that they could be a jet for a long period of time, you go to the other guy, and um, you know maybe that's just kind of how it's played out. As someone who's been at the, those tables, I mean, we know it's maybe a little bit different because Barlow has been so high on their list that they're running to the podium to get him. But, you know, in a normal situation, you know, you have Oliver Moore there, you have, you know, you have uh, Stenberg, you have Ed Struzer Riser, uh, and even Oliver Bonk. We know they were interested in Bonk as well. Sammy had him at 18 on his list. What are those conversations like where it's positional need versus best player available? in that situation, especially in a first round scenario. It's always best player available. I mean, all things being equal, Ken, if you could get a center or a right shot D, if he is the best player on your list, you take those guys. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. But um, if after you've had all those conversations, um, it ends up being a winger, so be it. It's it, it, You don't, you just manage the asset one way or the other. There's going to be another day. Uh, there's a day tomorrow with a lot of great names on those lists. And uh, you just, you, can re, you regroup and you keep moving forward. Uh, how about a quick one too? I know you're not just an amateur guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on the on the trade for Dubois and what the Jets are getting? Uh, you know, in their three players here with Gabe uh, Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, and uh, Rasmus Kapari. Heard a lot of great things about all three players in the last uh, few days. Curious for your thoughts on those three. So uh, let's start with the the more veteran guy. Ayafalo uh, plays fast, competes. You know, I think he's going to give you an honest effort each and every night. He's going to be reliable. So you know that when you come to the rink, he's going to give you everything he's got on that day. I call it bad days because we all know there's bad days in the National Hockey League. On your worst day, can you give us enough? That's what I always ask myself. And I believe that he can do that for Winnipeg. Velarde's motivated. He's had some back issues in the past. He's very gifted offensively. He's a big body, but he's a bumper. He's not a banger. So don't expect a lot of physicality out of him, but he's got great mitts and he can make plays in the offensive zone. Kupari is very interesting. Understated offense. He's built like a fire hydrant, quick to space, good brain, can kill penalties. Another competitive guy, a Finn, um, a leader in uh, years gone by with that group coming through Finland. So uh, and, of course, the draft pick on top of all that, right? So that's uh, – when you're dealing from a, a position of weakness, I think they maximized. No when, doubt. Um, hey, just because it's popped up here a couple of times, I want to get you – sometimes I like this question. Sometimes I think players just are themselves and they don't necessarily have a comparable. But just because it's popping up in the chat room here, Colby Barlow, do you have a comparable for him in the league, someone that you say he plays like? Oh, been a long night fellas it's been a long night power forward so let's think anderson in montreal um but this is going to surprise you guys so just bear with me a little bit patrick maroon has understated offense so like yeah. he's, he's, you know how strong he is all along the wall so barlow's way better than maroon so don't get me wrong but think about maroon's body with anderson's finish when he's playing really well and then blend in some Tachuk character in there as well. Ooh. Yeah, it's, Ooh. it's a concoction. I know it's a lot to digest. You know, I'll keep you up all night, but I'm trying to forecast it all over the place. So. It's like Frankenstein soon. getting smashed together. Sounds like it could be a monster, which I'm sure Jet Sands are going to like. Just a quick one for me, uh, Jay, before we get, let you get rolling here. Thanks. So you got three players that could be wingers or centermen, two acquired in the trade. Uh, who is the best candidate to play in the middle and why between Perf- Kevin Chevrolet said earlier today, sort of hinted at Perfetti, maybe getting a chance there between Cole Perfetti, uh, Gabe Velarde and Rasmus Kapari. Who do you like best? And maybe could two of the three of those guys eventually play down the middle for the Winnipeg Jets? Maybe even, you know, Kapari's kind of more of in the middle six, but could he, someone told me they thought he could be a second line center. I'm curious for your thoughts on that. I think he's a spot two. I don't think okay. he's a regular two. Okay, so let's call him a two and a half for argument's sake. Um, Velarde can play the middle, provided that he uh, continues to work on his lower core and his strength. Because he did have the back issue, and he's never been a burner. But he's um, 
you can't underestimate his movement. It's kind of like Carlson who got drafted today. Like when you watch Fantilli, it's like his hair's on fire. Carlson's moving really quick too. Like he is, he just looks different. So if I had to forecast it, I think Velarde's a two. I think Kupari's a two and a half. So let's call him a three when the Jets are good. I don't think either one of those guys are one. I don't potentially, I'd have to see, I'll, I'll defer to Chevy. He knows his guy's best. I'm not in love with Perfetti in the middle as a one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hey, but I don't know if you have to go or not, but I'm going to ask kind of a wide-ranging question because yeah. people want to know about this draft. You talked about it. It's an interesting draft. You talked about the idea of Carlson going and then Fantilli. I was surprised by that. I was definitely surprised by the Canadians' pick. Uh, so much to kind of handle. I'm just going to give you the open floor of what stood out to this draft, maybe winners or losers for you. But what are the things that after day one, Jay Bukla walks away from and says, wow, that's what stood out? Well, Arizona for sure. Um, I, I thought that they could have traded back if they were going to make those two picks. Having said that, they had a strategy in place, and they're they're like they're so flush with uh, with prospects, and they only got room for so many of them. So, you know, making the pick I guess makes sense too because they're they're only going to have room for so many of these guys. St. Louis Blues had a heck of a day. Like those oh. three picks that they made, uh, Dvorsky, Stenberg. So you talk about two guys from leadership groups of international teams. And then uh, they went to uh, Lindstein, right, uh, with their last pick, I believe. And, um, uh, you know, so Dvorsky, Stenberg, oh, gosh, that's, let me tell you, that's that's impressive stuff. Uh, the comparables there, Dvorsky, uh, catch and release is, is exceptional. He's going to be a top six forward, has to be, um, has to be that guy that's involved offensively all the time. Stenberg, up and down the lineup, all over the place, battles. Uh, rips pucks from all over the ice. Like if you look up his heat map, I mean, it's all over the place. And then Lindstein, uh, he's like a Dan Hamus comparable for me from back in the day. Ah. Pretty good day. And how about, I mean, we should ask you about Connor Bedard. I mean, obviously he's a story of today and uh, not just because he loves Sean's suit, but, uh, you know, for the Blackhawks to get Bedard <laughs> and Oliver Moore, uh, maybe just a quick thought on on where because he's going to be playing right. in the Jets division in the Central. Uh, curious for uh, in terms of impact and can he play center ice right away in the NHL or would it be better suited for him to start on right wing and then shift over eventually? No, you can't. Uh, don't ruin a good thing. His spatial awareness, board to board, and the width of the ice is too elite. You don't want to take it away. You don't want him to start on one side and have to track all the way to the other side. Give him the puck in the middle. Let him use everything. Okay, so that's going to be the one thing for Bedard. Adding more there too. Again, down the middle of the ice, Moore's. Uh, you know, he's a Swiss Army knife. He can play up and down the lineup. Uh, arguably the quickest forward in the league. So the one thing, my one big takeaway from Connor Bedard, outside of his ability, is wow, great character. I mean, humble, deflects attention. And uh, you could tell by the end, though, Sean, I think you would agree. He just kind of wants the day to be over. He wants to get back just to play. Yeah, you know, I, I was interested in your thoughts on that because I think some people would take a look and think this is easy, right? When you're basically waiting for a coronation, you know, and you know your name is going to be the first one that's picked. Yeah. Um, I think some people think that that's easy, but I was wondering from your perspective, you know, as a guy who watches for these kind of telltale signs, how you thought he handled the day? Because I can tell you when he came over and talked to me by that point in the night, I was extremely impressed with how he, he handled the situation, right? He talked there were some Regina guys there he kibitzed with them he made some jokes about how you know he got along with everyone in Regina except for that specific reporter who was there you know like I felt like he was freeing himself and I think one of the things we were watching for now that you're in the media you'll get this but I, I I used to look at him and think he's going to be kind of like Connor McDavid, right? Doesn't say a lot, doesn't really want to show that much. What you want is a guy who's getting towards Sidney Crosby, who's not flashy, but is really engaging and will talk with you. And tonight, I felt like I saw signs of Connor Bedard heading to be more like a Sidney Crosby than like what we see from Connor McDavid. 100%. 100%. He's totally different than Conor McDavid. I was uh, fortunate enough to be in the league already when uh, Sid was coming through, and he reminds me a lot of that, like his demeanor, um, his professionalism. Um, but he's got he's got a little bit of a wiry side. He's got a little bit of a – you can see he's going to joke around with guys in the room too. The, yeah. the room loves that, right? You don't want to have uptight superstars. Like your room needs you to have fun with, with everybody. You spend a lot of time together, grow together in Chicago, get good together, enjoy the ride. 
And you know what, guys? Sorry that they're in the same division. They're going to get good, too. <laughs> Last one before you let you go. For day two, uh, I know you said it was like around one and a half almost. What are you looking for tomorrow on, on day two here? Uh, uh, the first goalie that goes off the board, there'll be a run of goalies. So Harable, I'm uh, anticipating, will go first. I think Augustine will go second. But there's some great names still on the board early. So uh, Crystal out of uh, Kelowna comes to mind right away. Um, Gavin Brindley from the University of Michigan. He comes to mind right away. I love Gavin Brindley. Um, undersized, but really competitive guy. Um, geez, like, like, I don't have my list right in front of me right now, Kenny, but like, let's just say it was pretty flush when I left. Right on. Uh, Jay, awesome Jay, stuff. Jay, absolutely great job. And I honestly, I can't believe that uh, you, you carved out the time for us after the busy day that you had to hop on here. I don't deserve that. I know Ken no way in hell deserves it so thank you so much for carving out the time great work our audience is uh is uh they're spoiled for it thank you so much uh awesome anytime guys i'm glad we could pull it off so enjoy the rest of the process and hopefully we circle back talk soon you bet thanks so much have a great night nashville um, Kenny, before we do get into it, I want to make oh, sure man, that yeah. uh, I have to say to the audience, um, we sprung this on everybody late. Uh, we didn't even know when we were going up. So the fact that we have everyone in here that we have uh, makes me absolutely uh, joyous with the audience that we have. Also, the fact that the last show that we did a little bit of a pop up after the trade, we had over 4000 people um, tuning into that and the numbers still climbing on that. So that's great. Uh, and it made it so that, you know, our friends and our sponsors uh, have been and, uh, you know, jumping on board because of that. We do really appreciate that. Uh, while we're here, why don't we do it? I know that someone was throwing out the idea of throwing out the lamplighter going yeah. to Chevy. We had a great comment earlier on. Let's bring that up. Throw it up as Eric Corley since Chevy is the lamplighter for drafting Barlow. I think that's fair enough. Uh, why don't we give away? Why don't we give away some of the uh, frosty, delicious nectar of the gods in the TransCanada <laughs> lamplighter amber ale? Hey, uh, uh, you, just throw out your lamp later of this evening, who you thought you did best in the draft. Uh, and we're going to do it because we still have eight packs of lamp later to get away. You send that to me. You know how to do it. Send it to SN Sean Reynolds. Uh, and if you are picked, you will have your very own frosty, delicious eight pack of lamp later. Amber ale brought to you by our friends from trans Canada brewing company. Absolutely great job that they do. Glad to see them back. And let's start going through the other people who are helping us out here. Uh, how about the, uh, Johnston Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, who we called them up, said, would you be interested in uh, sponsoring us? Down at the draft here, they jumped on board, uh, as they always do. They've always got us. Ken, you want to give a shout-out to Sweet Lou Ferlin, who uh, who uh, hopped on board here? Yeah, yes, sir, of course, uh, Sweet Lou Ferlin, for all of your real, real estate needs. Uh, excellent human being, excellent realtor, and excellent supporter of the community. Uh, from Royal LePage, you can reach him. Uh, let's get the old thing up here. Let's pop her up. Uh, do you got it? Yeah, I can grab it there. Uh, you do your thing. Yeah, wow, right now, there. now, oh, now okay, let's just okay. both okay. get now it back and forth flat. at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Play a game of pong. Not quite form nope, here. Yeah. Not you quite. Can reach, not you can quite. reach Lou Ferlin at louferlin.ca. That's uh, louferlin.ca. You could also reach him by email at lou at louferlin.ca. You could reach him by cell at 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. Uh, lou Ferlin at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. Love Sweet Lou is so good there. We did it one more time. Okay. Uh, it was good to see him at the party there. Want to give a shout out Amazing, to the boys yeah. at home field. It was glad, glad to see Corey there. I know Corey from home field had a great time. Uh, and I know some people got some shovels on the way out the door there. That was absolutely good stuff. And we, we cannot do this without giving a shout out to our friends at Vittorio Rossi who on this night, you mentioned it uh, before we did the one-on-one, -on -one, before I did a one-on-one -on -one with Connor Bedard. The first thing he said was, that's a great jacket. Well, hey, if you want to be the kind of guy who stops the number one overall pick, a player <laughs> who is on his way to being a generational player, if you want to stop someone like that in their tracks, you know what you do? You go over, you talk to Frankie and the boys of Vittorio Rossi, and they will put the kind of clothes on you that do exactly that. Uh, again, at the Kenny and Rennie year-ender, it was great to catch up with them. 
them. And then I wanted to save the the last for uh, some of the people that were so happy to have on board. Our summertime friends in the keg uh, who they don't need any introduction. With, with this one, this is like you're talking about things that sell, sell themselves. Like if anyone's ever been to the keg, they've been back to the keg because it's absolutely phenomenal. Love that they've come on board here. Hoping to have them join us for the rest of the season after this. Uh that would be a great place to go celebrate. Ken, you got the full-time job, uh, and we never had that Buddy, celebration. Maybe the keg a note is the place. Date. To... Yeah, I think you we're did. Go there. Yeah, okay. I just sent you well, a note I, for the date. We're I usually try to go. for your correspondence. You should get like star it if it's something really important like that. And finally, I wanted to throw this one out there: pristine roofing, uh, North End Rick. Uh, is one of the guys who goes around and does this. I can tell you this. Pristine Roofing, Ken, came on board with Kenny and Rennie because Kenny and Rennie, I, th I think they think, not you specifically, they think <laughs> I may know how to make the money. And this is why all those people who don't know in another life, Rennie, uh, ran his own roofing company uh, and I think what Pristine has been doing is going around and for years fixing all of Rennie's mistakes uh, during the Rennie roofing days uh, and they're like let's follow this guy some more and see if he can bring some more money so I've been putting their kids through college and we'd like to continue doing that if anyone has any work they want siding exterior work of course roofing uh, give Pristine Roofing a call and make sure you tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you if you're dealing with any of our fine lovely sponsors Make sure you tell them that Kenny and Randy sent you. Um, Ken, let's dig a little deeper into this. Let's talk about the conversation that you, well, what do you want to do here? Where you want to go? You should go with Barlow. Uh, you had him one-on-one -on -one after his scrum. I listened to his scrum. I had the audio from that. But uh, what stood out maybe in those answers that maybe folks said maybe hadn't didn't see uh, necessarily right away. And if they, they hadn't seen it, they can see it at sportsnet.ca. But uh, what stood out to you about the conversation and maybe anything that stood out like pre or post interview uh, from just your brief exchange with him. Well, I think one of the things is, you know, like people are going to listen to a guy like Jay Bukula, which they should, uh, who's going to be able to break down hockey and tell you exactly what it is that he brings to the table. We heard all that kind of stuff. I think the one thing that we can kind of see when we're interacting with these players is, A, his confidence level is high, right? Like there's a lot of times, hey, I always love this. You'll remember this. There was a time uh, when Nick Ehlers came walking yep. in, and Nick Ehlers was a guy who came in, and I remember looking at him and thinking, like, the guy looked Looks like he's 145 pounds and he's going to go play in the NHL. And this is still back in the days when the NHL was a big, tough league, right? And he came walking in at, you know, high pick as he was. And Fred Misalachuk, the TSN cameraman who we both absolutely adore and love, what he would do is he would take a quarter and he would put it down <laughs> on the ground as a mark for a place yeah. for the p person coming to be interviewed to stand at the quarter. And that way they would be in the perfect spot for the lighting, all the TV concerns that we have to have, Colin Jensen, my camera as well. And I remember Nick Ehlers came up and he looked down and he was like, oh, a quarter. And he went and he picked it up and everyone was like, no, no, that's that's your mark. That's where you're supposed to stand. And everyone kind of laughed about it. And I remember thinking, like, these are teenagers. This is an 18-year-old who go and stand in front of a group full of strangers that they don't know and all of a sudden everyone's laughing and some guys you know this Ken some guys are super shy and they don't know how to handle that well but the really like kind of confident guys like Nick Ehlers in that moment just kind of chuckled was like oh well well I'm keeping this anyways he said you know made a little bit of a joke out of it and turned it into like this connecting scenario where he and, and you knew at that moment this guy's got moxie any questions of whether this small, slight guy thinks that he's going to be able to make the NHL, they're out the door. He walked in here. He knows how to handle himself. So my interaction with Colby Barlow is essentially that. Like, the first thing I asked him, I'd said, you know, I'd made a joke basically about his beard and him looking well beyond his age. And maybe that's how he earned the C, the captaincy uh, as the youngest captain ever of the Owen Sound attack, because, you know, the beard helped him fake his way into the job handles that stuff like a pro gives really good answers uh of course he's going to he's the scholastic player of the year he's smart he thinks on his feet i think another one of the things i asked him you know being that the jets love to get those scholastic players right you've got adam lowry you've got josh morrissey uh yeah um you've got cole perfetti and i think i made some kind of crack to him about you know like being the scholastic player of the year i imagine him going on to the plane and all those players getting together and talking quantum physics and playing chess and doing all these certain kind of things right and he had a real laugh about that and he came afterwards and he's like you know i don't really know my quantum 
mechanics. Maybe I'm going to have to worry about that. But this is a guy who's extremely comfortable in this moment right now because this is a guy who's been running a room full of men already. Guys three years older than him, like Jay Buchalo was talking about, dealing with the trainers, other men who are in that room, you know, trying to make a team tick, trying to make them go, dealing with his general manager at that level, his coaches at that level. And what I see from that is, you know, the, the way that I, I love how Jay said that because he said this is a guy who's going to walk and make younger players. You know, that they said – the. Jay Buchla said the effect that he's going to have on Brad Lambert and right. Rucker McGordy, these are guys older than him. And he's saying he, this guy is going to walk in and be a positive force on those guys. Well, you could see that when he said that, that made total sense to me because here's a guy I can have a conversation with the lights go on national television Everybody's looking at you. He handled himself phenomenally. He had a good time doing it. He had a chuckle when you know we 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 kibitzed back and forth. This is a guy who I could not have imagined handling that moment better than he did. Uh, everything that Jay says and talked about his character, you could see shining through in just a quick little interview with me. I was blown away. Yeah, and here's the other thing uh, in sharing with my conversation with Dale DeGray. He was very honest. He said he didn't want to, he actually was one of the people who didn't want to heap any additional pressure on Colby Barlow in his draft year, but he got convinced by the coaching staff after talking to, you know, his agent and a bunch of other people in the process that this is a guy who, even though he was young, he's mature beyond his years and he could handle it. So that's why they did give him the C and he said he just leads by example. He had an, I posted my story um, in the chat room and this was just incredible uh, what he said to me here. Um, he's dedicated and he's humble. He leads by example, pushes his teammates to want to win every game. Uh, there's more to Colby Barlow once you start to peel back the onion than just a shooter. I mean, I love that quote because everyone too, like, let's not kid ourselves, Sean. We had Jason Buchel on because he's actually watched him live. Same with Sam Cosentino. Yeah. You and I haven't watched him. We haven't watched nope. any tape on him. So for you know, naturally there's tons of fans who haven't watched him either, but they go to his Hockey DB page and see, holy smokes, he went from 30 goals to 46. And, uh, you know, he ends up being, uh, you know, uh, you know, high, high end performer here um, over a point of game player, 79 points in 59 games, but we don't know any, like, how did he get those points? I mean, he's not just a guy who has a heavy shot. He's a guy who, you know, was not afraid to get into traffic is what Dale DeGray said. Uh, he goes to the net hard tips, you know, he can deke, he's got all kinds of talent uh, and just a real passion to want to get better. And uh, I think that the personality is really important and, you know, I don't think it is an accident uh, we know that they're turning over this, you know, turning over part of the core here during this off season. And start of, start of that has been underway. Uh, the Jets want to have guys that want to be in the organization long term, and I think Colby Barlow is a guy that can fit uh, when it comes to that. And you know, I, I'm very impressed by him, and it'll be interesting to see him when he gets to Winnipeg here next week for development camp. I mean, we're not going to watch him at development camp to say, oh, hey, this is what Colby Barlow is, because let's be honest, most of these guys have been off the ice for a while, but it's good to get a baseline and like to talk to them in a, in a more casual setting because Sean, you're there and I've been to those drafts so often in that five minutes after you've been drafted, a lot of the time the players don't even remember what they say, right? I mean, yeah. a lot of it's cliche, a lot of it's, you know, you're just trying to kind of, you know, all the bright lights and everything else. I love the fact that Barlow himself said he wanted to, he needed to be, he figured out as a rookie, uh, he said, if you can't be trusted in your own end, you're not going to see the ice. And let's not kid ourselves. When you are an offensive talent, that is a very impressive and important lesson to learn. And the fact that he is learning it early on, I think, is super important. Uh, and another guy that we should talk about, too. I mean, he'll help you know, Brad Lambert. He'll also help Chaz Lucius. I mean, that's someone I should have mentioned, too. Uh, a guy who's played center, a guy who's played wing. So they got a bunch of guys. But when you have a guy who's big and strong like that, and man, I, just thinking of it too, after speaking with Gabe Velarde on the Zoom call earlier today, thinking about the kind of power forward in Barlow playing with a guy who's in a big body like Velarde, 6'3", 215. I mean, and then maybe you have a guy like Lambert or Lucius or Ehlers or Connor on the other wing. I mean, these are going to be some pretty talented players coming through the system here. And then, you know, Perfetti is going to fit in there as well and see where Kapari fits. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see the, the dynamic is definitely changing. And, Sean, you talked about that with 
uh, Kevin Shevel day off earlier today. Uh, what did you think of, I know you mentioned the theory when we were talking on the show yesterday. Uh, what did you think of his answer to your question about if it's a conscious decision uh, in terms of the style of player they've been pursuing right now? Well, I, I, I felt like he confirmed it, right? Like I, I didn't think he outright came out and said that, but I, I think that, that the, the, his answer was basically that, right? Like they're heading in a little bit of a different direction and they are trying to get into a more depth thing. And I, I will say this, I want to tie this into it because I think we should have this conversation. Yep. Uh, Jay Bukala wasn't like as willing to go down the road uh, or, or either, you know, maybe didn't necessarily see it that way. But I do think that there's a, a difference in the philosophy here, uh, uh, for the Jets and how they draft. Like, I get it. It's always going to be best player, right? But I, I do think that the Jets prioritizing has gone from being like, you know, I, I think last year what they did is they took Rutger McGroarty first because that's what their priority was. And then they went later on uh, to Brad Lambert and got a player that was kind of more like what they've often drafted yeah. in the past. Because I take a look at Brad Lambert, I see, see him as being a more Nikolai Ehlers type, a, a, a Jack Roswick type, a, 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 a Kyle Connor type, right? So I, I do think the fact that they took Rutger McGrory first kind of signaled the idea that the Jets are trying now to not necessarily prioritize the most ridiculously skilled player in the draft that's available which I think they did quite well over the years, but that they've kind of shifted to the idea of we want skill, but we also want this certain element that's involved with this skill. I think Rutger McGroarty was that, and I think this Colby Barlow pick is exactly that as well. So I, I do think what the Winnipeg Jets have been for a lot of years, they're evolving they're changing and they're going in a different direction. I think it's a, it's, it's not uh, uh, out of being forced. I think the jets have decided just like in 2015, Ken, after they made the playoffs and they basically said, yay, we made the playoffs uh, and we looked like a really good team. We were top 10 at one point in that year before we dropped and then ended up getting swept in the first round. But the jets made it there and all the fans were thinking, okay, after all of these years of pain, we finally made the playoffs. Now we can continue going. And the jets said, no, we're going to tear down in a different vision and rebuild up to this really, really uh, high-end, high-skilled team. I think what we're seeing right now is them going with the idea that we're we're prioritizing depth, we're prioritizing character, we're prioritizing defensive acumen, we're prioritizing hard, rough players. You know, like that. What I loved about what Jay Bukala said about that first three steps for Colby Barlow, the idea of that that first three steps gets him into position, and then once he's in that position, he's too strong to give up the advantage that he's created in that position. That's another way of saying this guy's really hard to play against because he gets a step on you. And once he gets a step on you, you can't get it back because he's too strong to get it back from you. I hear Rutger McGroarty and his speed coming up, getting into that direction. You see the Winnipeg Jets, especially when you add some of the players that they just added. I think IFL falls into this as well. The Jets are going to be a harder team to play against. I think it priority that you see that philosophy that they prioritize at the trade deadline this year when they get Nino Niederreiter and Vladislav yep. Nemesnikov. You're starting to see there's a specific kind of player that every time the Jets add now, they, they're looking like that. They're looking a little bit less like Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, Jack Roswick, and looking a little bit more like these harder-edged players. And I think what it's going to mean is a return to those days of you know teams coming into Winnipeg and being like, oh, God, we got to play in Winnipeg again. It's cold. We get off the plane. It's cold. My bones hurt. Then we get in. We head in in front of a crowd that's going absolutely nuts because they've got this team full of guys who just absolutely beat the heck out of the opposition, which Winnipeg fans love and loved in the days of Dustin Bufflin and some of the bigger defensemen that they had back in those days. I, I see a full philosophical shift, and I see it in Chevy's trades. I see it in his drafting. I see it in his trade deadline acquisitions. The Jets are heading in a different direction. And to bring this around to me asking that question of Kevin Sheveldayoff, I feel like I heard him say exactly that. Yeah, and one last the, one of the comments from DeGray about, uh, about Colby Barlow. He can score in every way. He finds a way to get to open ice, and he knows that all he needs is for his stick to have an open lane, and it's a scoring chance. He gets a stick in a lane, the puck is there, and boom, it's in the net. Simple. That's what he does. He's got a tremendous, tremendous shot. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I agree with you totally. The the bigger bodies and like the ability to go to hard traffic areas. Kapari is a guy who is incredibly fast, plays a physical game, a little bit of an agitator. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, I mean, what else? What else uh, I mean, obviously, we should talk quickly uh, about you know Blake Wheeler. You were in the conversation. Um, but what he said about the bio yeah. being an option, uh, and also to what were your quick thoughts on what Cheval Dayoff said about Mark Shafley and Connor Hellebuck when he was asked about him? Well, I, I think what he's okay. So let's start with Wheeler. I think yeah. Wheeler is an absolute admission that, you know, we, we can expect this to happen. I think, I think he's going to try to broker some kind of deal. I think in his language, he's saying that he wants to work with, with Blake Wheeler uh, to send him out the door as on on his terms, if it's possible to do so. But I mean, when is the last time, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff actually acknowledged something like this? Like today, Kevin Sheveldayoff acknowledged it's an option to buy out Blake Wheeler, right? The, the, I, I did not think that that day would ever come, which tells me that, I mean, you know, th- this is it. The, the Blake Wheeler era in Winnipeg is over. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to be able to broker some kind of deal before it comes to a buyout. That's what I take away from that. Uh, the other part of it, it, I think, was a direct, clear and direct message to the other general managers out there that Agreed. you are not giving me what I want and what I expect at this moment for either Mark Shifley or Connor Hellebuck. And guess what? If you want to test my resolve, we'll yeah. take a look at what we just did with Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> I will wait. You can put your, you can have me by the throat with my back against the wall and I am not moving until I get what I want. Now we have, never seen this get to a situation where uh you know he basically lost everything like you know the 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 huge loss for this is if they decided to go with Connor Hellebuck again this season and Mark Shifley and then those players went played the entire year and then left an unrestricted free agency and you lose those guys for nothing because you take a look at what they did with Pierre-Luc Dubois they got some assets you can start seeing the future here they they're back to I think drafting not that they ever left it but I think they're starting to refill the cupboards in a very exciting way uh, and you can see where the team is going in that direction so they can't lose those guys for nothing but I can tell you this right now. Anyone who thinks that Kevin Dayoff is just going to sit back and take whatever he can get for those guys, to me, this was just his verbal acknowledgement to the rest of the league. That's not happening. These guys are going to go out the door very similar to what Pierre-Luc Dubois looked like. And again, Jay, Jay talked about it. Chevy did a really good job having his back against the wall and getting what he got. I don't take a look at what Chevy did in that situation. I still say this from the beginning. This all starts with Patrick Liney and Jack Roslick going out the door. I don't look at this trade and say, in the end, the Jets made themselves a way better team by getting, you know, Ayafalo and Velarde and the guys that they got. I don't think that that happened in this case, but I do think he made the best of the situation as he got into it, which means you can expect going forward, he is going to make the best of the situation situation he can with Connor Hellebuck and with Mark Shifley and he basically just said through the media which he's probably been saying on the phone it's not going to cut it guys if you want to get serious and you want these players let's make a deal you're not playing my game right now we're going to play this game on my turn yeah no doubt about that and I'll be very curious once Saturday uh, rolls around uh, if the Jets can or will make an offer to someone like Jonas Corposalo uh, I think this is a guy that they would be interested in to be the one A and a one, you know, in a in a job share scenario. I think they'd be willing to make him a, a, a good offer to be a goalie here. Now, if the Jets would be able to sign him in free agency, then all of a sudden now they're dealing from a position of strength, and that's a huge difference here for a team that isn't probably going to bring not probably they're not going to bring David Riddick back to be the backup. Uh, they need an upgrade at that position to begin with. So. Uh, yeah, I don't see Blake Wheeler being in Florida. That's not going to be happening, no. uh, in my opinion. No. Um, but in terms of the Jets, uh, I think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to sign a goaltender. I think they could get one in a trade. I know there's been lots of talk about Boston. Maybe Mark Shifley is a guy who may be of interest to them at some point if they're interested in, you know, moving out Linus Allmark um, or even Jeremy Swayman, who's going to get a raise. And then maybe they just go with a different one B there. But. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting uh, coming up here in the next little while. Don't what do what do you think about goal? Do you think they're going to be aggressive when it comes to the goalie market, and then 
see what happens with Hellebuck or how do you see? I mean, we got lots of time to talk about it, I guess. But that, uh, that's a that's a tricky one. Uh, I should be out here in five minutes because I already got yeah, buddy, the, no problem, uh, the no look. Problem. But but no, like let's you know kind of dive into it. This is a tricky one. Because this is a real like chicken before the egg cart before the horse kind of situation here. Like I don't really because if you do go out and and I mean whatever leverage that you have right now in the Connor Hellebuck situation, if you do go out, let's say and get you on his Corpus Allo, then you really put yourself in a situation, right? Because now you know you need to move that guy and everything that he just said at the podium about Mark Shifley and uh, Connor Hellebuck are Winnipeg Jets. Um, that that kind of goes out the window. Uh, that obviously goes out the window if you do that. I do wonder for one quick second if there's an idea that uh, that Mark or excuse me, uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff is thinking maybe just maybe those guys will take a look at what we're doing here, see the new philosophy, and maybe like it. And maybe there's a conversation to be had if we do take them into the season because it's dangerous to take right. them into the season if you're not going to resign them. So maybe part of this is him just playing the game that I don't expect to resign these guys. They've said that they don't want to stay, but maybe just maybe if I do have to keep you know, keep them in the fold this year because we don't get what we want. And I'm looking to trade them at the at the trade deadline. Maybe, just maybe, we can have conversations with these guys since they're still here. And maybe they like the direction things are going. And, you know, I could pull off a, a last-minute heist or something like that. You got to keep all options open. I think Kevin Chevaldeo is doing a good job of doing that. Yeah, agreed. And I think that the talk in the chat is going to pick up around Mark Shifley right away here. I think Dubois was, you know, kind of occupying the majority of the Jets' time here, aside from the draft itself over the last few days. And now that the Dubois deal is uh, complete, I think that Shifley is going to generate some interest. I think this is what we've been talking about in various times, Sean. I think that because teams were so interested, not a lot of teams, we know it, because there were absolutely zero trades today of draft picks. Teams didn't want to get out of the first round which is why I think that there wasn't as much chatter. Uh, now it would be probably future draft picks when it comes to maybe first-rounders in a deal for Hellebuck or Shifley. Uh, but, I mean, it's going to depend on what, what happens and how teams uh, you know view their scenarios coming up here because we know there's not going to be as much action on the free agency market, especially with my guy Ivan Barbashev being taken off the board by the Vegas school, the Knights today. Oh yeah. How uh, big was that? Re-upping on that five times five. That's just an absolutely spectacular deal by the Vegas school, the Knights. Uh, and just a quick one here, uh, Gabe Velarde, I thought was fantastic on the, uh, on the zoom call today. Uh, you know, interesting time. He definitely said he's a guy who wants to be here. Uh, and showed some sense of humor when talking about last year when he got his his offer put on his table. It was a, there was no negotiating. It was just take it and say thank you. Uh, this year, coming off a, a twenty three yeah. goal, forty one point uh, season, he will now have an opportunity to have a little more leverage and bargaining power uh, in this scenario here. So uh, that was interesting from from Velarde. Um, yeah, it's just we got a couple interesting days behind us and a few more interesting days ahead. And uh, awesome job by you uh, so far. And uh, we'll look forward to keeping this going uh, tomorrow here. And then we'll just see where your travel goes. I think we're going to try to, uh, if there's news tomorrow, we're going to be all over it. Thank you, Kenny. I, I will have to say, I think my boss is happy after I sent her a picture from the emergency room uh, <laughs> Saturday morning at four in the morning with what my face looked like. I think she's just happy. She she just repeatedly kept saying, I think I think we're pulling this off on camera every time. <laughs> so uh, that's been good. It's been good uh, to pull that off. Uh, Ken, I'm glad you were. Uh, Ken has been the guy who's really been holding things down and making sure everything comes together with Kenny and Rennie uh, while I've been down here. And he's still been doing it while taking care of his duties at home uh, and making sure that, you know, he's getting his great pieces out, which you should go read right now. Uh, so thanks to you for that, Ken. Uh, I want to say, like, and end this show like I always do, uh, if you appreciate the conversations that we're having in these spaces, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in these spaces for us. That's the keg, pristine roofing, our sovereign time friends, the Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Lou Ferlin, Trans Brewing Company, and Homefield, uh, and 
last but not least, uh, probably first oh, in geez. my books, is, uh, well, of course, the Johnson Group. But uh, last but not least is, is our fans uh, and our viewers and listeners who jump in here. Uh, we were blown away with our numbers in the last show. Uh, we were blown away that, you know, as many of you are in here right now, awesome. this late at night just for the draft. Um, we so much appreciate your time, your attention, and your contributions to the show. Thank you so much for that. We can't wait to do it again with you. Uh, we're going to do it after the draft tomorrow, Kenny. As long as you have time, we're definitely going to do a show tomorrow. Let's yep. figure it out. We'll wrap this up so we can wrap the entire weekend and then talk about, you know, the stuff going forward that the Jets are facing uh, before we dive into uh, free agency later where you will see Ken and I uh, uh, up on the uh, up, up on your television screen mm -hmm. uh, covering July 1st. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for showing up. Click the like button. Subscribe if you haven't. Other than that, we will see everybody after the rest of the draft starting tomorrow. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you by Homefield. Cambrian Credit Union. Lou Ferlin. Trans Canada Brewing. Vittorio Rossi. And Johnston Group.